everyone. Welcome to Hotel Moment Season 3. Today I am so excited to introduce our guest, Angela Harrington, owner of the Hotel Grinnell and the High Highlander Hotel. Thank you for being with us. Thanks for having me. Wonderful. I am really, really excited to talk to you. Um, as we mentioned before, it's not very often that we see many women hotel owners. So it's very exciting. So I really want to hear what like brought you into the hotel industry first. And um, you know what I mean? Like, how did you get into it? Okay. Uh, well, I would tell you that I'm a serial entrepreneur. So regardless of what I've done, there's always been, even as an entrepreneur working for others or, um, uh, you know, no matter the job, I've always been um, very entrepreneurial in um, everything I've done. So in the hotel, funny that I put myself through college working at the Holiday Inn in downtown Denver. Um, and then I did not work in hotels after college or for a long time. Um, and then I, um, I, my, I did a few things as an entrepreneur um, with a large company and doing startups, um, subcorps for them. And then um, decided I needed to own a summer camp. Um, so I owned a summer camp for about nine years, actually, and grew it to about 500 kids. Wow. Then I really lost my mind, went into the restaurant business, had a colossal, my big, my big, fat, juicy failure um, in business was in the restaurant business in 2008 in the crash. And then I um, decided that that needed to count for something. So I really loved my role in community development um, over the years um, as, you know, in business leadership and so forth. So I decided to reinvent myself as that so that my failure could count for something. Um, so I did that for a long time and then I fell in love with a project I was um, working on um, in my role as in Grinnell as the Chamber of Com Community Development and CBB exec in small communities, all one, uh, one person. And so I um, figured out that there was no way that this project the one I'm sitting in right now, Hotel Grinnell, was going to go anywhere if I didn't uh, jump in and be the operator. Um, because small hotels, really difficult to find an operator. Yeah. Uh, doesn't have, you know, several hundred rooms. Um, so I decided to uh, jump into it, and I absolutely love it. And it wasn't very long after I opened Hotel Grinnell that I started looking for my next project. And... Um, and I'm sorry. I'm going to just stop you right there. I want to back up a little bit. So with Hotel Grinnell, you 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 hadn't you don't you didn't own it at that point, right? Did you own it at that point? You were working with the CVB, and then you jumped in to do the operations for this property. Well, it um, I was I ended up jumping in as the developer, okay. uh, trying to put a really complex financial stack together. Um, in it's very um, rare and. Uh, luxury hotels um, just don't happen in, in small communities. And so it was a very long, arduous project to get it to pencil out because um, uh, luxury hotels or upscale hotels do not pencil out on their own in small communities. In anything really, except the, the very largest urban metros, especially that boutique kind of thing. 
Um, so the, I jumped in as the developer because um, it wasn't going to go anywhere. And um, so then I, I put it under contract and, and found a partner and did the financing and with a lot of help from um, a lot of different amazing mentors, um, somehow figured it out. So we opened, I don't know, three and a half years ago. And then a year um, or that year after um, we opened, I was looking for my next project and put uh, about five different projects, hotel projects, um, you know, through a pretty serious due diligence process. And the only one that passed all of those um, hurdles and and uh, due diligence exercises was the one in Iowa City at the Highlander Hotel. Oh, wow. I mean, that's, that's a lot. <laughs> You really do. You, you see something that you want and you do it. I think that's amazing. Do you think that you're getting through college working in hotels? Do you think that had anything to do with where you are now? Um, I don't really. I mean, I think that um, I'm very grateful for every single one of my experiences, um, uh, every single one of my jobs. I mean, even yeah. to... Um, you know, working at the grocery store in high school, um, it, it, it's almost like the aggregate of that, of all of that um, life professionally, if you can call it that. But, um, you know, you just, that whole set of skills that you learn over, you know, 25 years, um, it's, it's interesting that I pull different pieces of things that even that I learned in a very at a very young age, um, it yeah. felt like it just prepared me uniquely um, to be in this business. Yeah, I mean, I worked in a grocery store too. I will tell you, I will never forget the PLU number for bananas. So anyone else who's <laughs> worked in grocery, I bet you have a bunch of random produce PLU numbers that you can't forget. <laughs> well, you know, when I worked at the grocery store, you had to key in the price. Um, you know, wasn't there wasn't a scanner? Oh, you yeah yeah yeah. Now they can just scan the little sticker. But I had to know every single number associated with every type of produce in the grocery store, and I had to do it super quickly. I hope that they come out with technology, especially in my industry, that you could just leave the hotel with some random thing, and it just is chipped somehow, and it just charges the cart. Angela, we already have a question, and I think it's a fantastic one from Kelvin. I'm going to put it up here on the screen. He wants to know what is worse, a tour bus full of guests arriving at the hotel or 500 kids at day camp? Was it day camp or was it overnight camp? Uh, it was both. Uh, I would say both are equally fabulous. So Fabulous. There you go. You know, I I really have a, an odd personality, and I think a lot of hospitality people do. I mean, I live for when the bus pulls up, you know, that go time and, you know, time to get your big girl pants on and, you know. <laughs> but they're all pre-keyed, right? Pre-reg, like we're not. It's difficult when it's a, a huge surprise, but I think you find a lot of, um, there's a lot of stories to be told when when the bus pulls up and it is a surprise. So I would find, I would tell you that they're actually quite similar and I just love them both. The um, the last year has definitely been um, the most trying of my career because the bus is not ever pulling up. I mean, well, any kind of hoping for that school bus full of kids to. Yeah. Or, 
it's just, uh, yeah, I live for that. Just uh, the busyness, the, the hustle bustle. I'm also one that really um, takes being prepared um, uh, to the nth degree because you can get there just about anything if your people are, are well-trained, if people are cross-trained, you can always, yeah. you know, mobilize resources how you need to in a very short period of time. That's also why I really like being an entrepreneur because, um, you know, we move really, really quickly and decisively when conditions change, whatever yeah. those conditions might be. And I would lose my mind if that had to go, you know, up through multiple chains of, of command to um, figure out how to um, do things differently in a short yeah. You mentioned 2008 and you mentioned, you know, being in the restaurant business and it being a failure, but given what we just talked about, you learn every something from every part of like your career, regardless if it's at the grocery store or even at that restaurant, I'm sure there's a lot that you learned from being in a restaurant in 2008. How would you compare that to uh, this past year? Well, first of all, I would tell you that um, my colossal failure um, was the time that I learned more um, than any other time in my life. So I wouldn't trade it for the world, actually. I mean, it was devastating. It was personally, I mean, it, it was just devastating financially and um, talked about starting from zero, but I still, I wouldn't trade it for the world because, um, you know, and a, a mentor of mine, an investor actually said one time, I don't invest in any entrepreneurs who haven't lost it all once. Because the unbridled optimism, um, you know, of entrepreneurs, when when it doesn't come with a degree of caution, mm -hmm. uh, can be dangerous. And so, um, a, a really fabulous colossal failure um, really brings that sense of caution to an otherwise, um, you know, optimistic. Um, it's going to work. On yeah. Cautiously optimistic is where we should always sit forever. That is my opinion. But yeah. so if you had to compare the two, are, are there any similarities between 2008, what happened in 2008 and what's just happened in 2020 um, that you like that you could take away? Are they, well, yeah. Several things are, um, it, it's just very, very different. I would say, um, in part because restaurants, um, you know, as early as 2006, seven, felt the earth start to shake. And we didn't know what was happening or why, or, you know, things were getting just real, a, a lot tougher. And I remember it felt like the business never really came back after Katrina and why is that? And, you know, and, and we never, until the actual crash, we, we didn't know what was happening. And so I, um, you know, in hindsight, it, the, you know, the economy was collapsing, but in the midst of it, if you were an early, um, you know, if you were feeling that early, you just thought you were, you know, you were a horrible business owner and there was a lot of guilt and a lot of shame and why can't I pull this out? Yeah. Thing. Um, but going into 2020, like, did your like instincts kind of kick in a little bit earlier? That's why I'm so grateful that I had that experience because back in 2008, and I guess that's part of just my story, but um, in 2008, um, 
you kind of didn't know what was happening. Um, and in, in 2020, and you kind of thought it's going to be fine. It's going to be okay. Uh, surely something's going to happen to turn this around. And, you know, until you're a year, you're, um, years past it, um, you know, you kind of don't grasp um, that. No, you know, then you look back and say, well, no one was coming. And that was, that was really different. The, this time um, I didn't waste time last time. I wasted time thinking it's going to be okay. Surely it's going to work out. I'll find a, you know, something will happen mm -mm. this time. It was like, no one's coming to save us. We need to decide what we're going to do now today. Um, and I acted very, very quickly. And I also made it my full-time job in this um, time to manage our relief and our survival. And that's not easy to do, um, especially when you're looking at, um, you know, reduced workforce and that sort of thing. So yeah. I would tell you that it, it feels when I look back on it in 2008, I feel like, you know, I was just spent, wasted so much time thinking there was going to be a save. And this time, immediately, I I acted. Um, so what were your take? What did you take from 2008 specifically and put into that? Like, what did you act on? Like, where did you invest your time? Um, Reducing expenses um, yeah. immediately and at the very same time, um, exploring um, ways that we were going to mitigate the crisis. Um, the other thing, 2008 was so different in that it felt like the, dura the duration of the, um, the duration of the event was so short. Yeah. Um, so is that just looking back or did it actually feel short in the moment? It was short. I mean, from, from when the earth started to shake to when I was, you know, out of business, you know, was maybe six months. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, yeah. I mean, it, it went really, really quickly. Um, and back then you know, I was, uh, I had a lender back then that it was the first bank that had their doors locked by the FDIC in Iowa. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it went, it went really quickly through, through the motions of, um, yeah, to complete collapse of the business quickly. And this one, I mean, there was some optimism early, like, um, maybe we, you know, is this going to be a 90 day, you know, because most entrepreneurs, if there are most business owners, if there's not uh, prior cracks in your business, I mean, you can figure out how to get through 90 days. Mm -hmm. But then when 90 days turned into six months, and then at that six month mark, it's like, holy cow, we're in this for a very long time. So each kind of um, awareness stage and um, kind of came with a, a different plan. But I would say day one, um, or very shortly thereafter, um, I was not only thinking about how are we going to keep the lights on this week, this month, but I was also really trying to put um, begin because development projects it just takes a long time to get everything to happen, and so very early I was thinking about okay, how are we going to mitigate long-term damage? Yeah. Um, because between the two hotels, each hotel does about a million and a half in sales um, and three million dollars of revenue vanished and it's never coming back because hotel yeah. 
nights are perishable. And so how do you mitigate that? How do you not cripple your business for the next five years? I mean, you know, this, (laughs) pardon me, this time is crippling, but how is it not going to keep on giving uh, in a bad way um, for years to come? So managing both the now and the, all right, how are we going to, um, figure this out. I know one of the ways that we you uh, were doing this, and I think it is absolutely admirable, is that you started investing in your people. Mm-hmm. I know that that was one of the things that you did. And mm-hmm. so do you want to talk a little bit about that and, you know, why you saw that as the place? Like, if you're going to cut costs, like, you don't, you're investing in your people instead. Well, um, the worst long-term effect of an event like this is if you don't do it well in the meantime. First of all, I have a philosophy that is contrary to some in the industry that I felt like going dark was the worst thing I could do, you know, Mm -hmm. just closing and wait for it to be over. Um, Because so many, you know, it's very difficult to to restart that, um, you know, turn that around. So that was the first thing that we're going to be determined to not go dark. But then um, it was, uh, what was your question? Sorry. <laughs> so oh, you, you invest in your people. Like one of the oh, most yeah. important things that you did was you invested in people. So I want to know, like, why did you decide that's where you wanted to, you know, invest your time and your money? Well, um, my, I consider my most important job to take really good care of good people. So that didn't come about because of the crisis. Um, that's just been a, a long-term philosophy of mine. I mean, if you are um, with me for six months, you're likely to be with me for years. And if you even, um, you know, entry-level housekeeping, if you're there for 16 months, at least uh, six months, I'm not paying you under $15 an hour. So um, it, that is just, uh, I find that if you don't um, have that minimum threshold, that all it does is create chaos for your business because you really can't live um, and eat and um, for less than that. And so, um, and if, if people are at less than that for a sustained period of time, it just creates chaos for the business. Well, yeah, people are less likely to be invested in a company that's not going to take care of them, right? Well, and I think most people are really optimistic that companies are going to take care of them. But at the same time, the chaos that I'm talking about is just that the a life in poverty is filled with, you know, just constant um you know, managing that. It doesn't allow you to grow professionally if you're only focused on, get, you know, actually putting food on the table. Right. So, um, so, and I've always been a, a big one also in cross-training. Yeah. Um, but that was something that we took um, to a whole new level because I was determined to keep my core team. Mm-hmm. Um, I could not keep the entire team. Um, uh, so, but I was determined to keep my core team, um, and we took cross training to a new level because, um, if there was going to be any bumps in business, we'd have to staff for what we could afford long-term, but also figure out a way that if we did get a bump in business, we would do it well 
and we wouldn't miss a beat. So I would say reputation and um, is driving probably a, a lot of the, the investment in, in people other than I, um, you know, I, I think that you need to leave it better than you found it. And that's not just the planet, it's uh, buildings and communities and people. And staff, um, yeah. That so, housekeeper that you hire that's been with you for six months or years could be the best executive housekeeper that you've ever had. And they know that property now better than anybody possibly could just right, because and, you took the time to invest in them. And I right. think that's very powerful and it's smart. And I, um, I uh, am really involved in every single person's professional development. I don't have another um, coach, shall we say, um, seasoned, uh, meaning old, uh, <laughs> no veteran, veteran coach. And so I really kind of keep my hands and keep my eyes on um, the entire team. Because you, you know, like my general manager here in Grinnell, she started three and a half years ago as not even a head housekeeper, but a housekeeper. And she is now my GM. That's amazing. Um, so, and I, you know, if I hadn't been, you know, really involved in her development, then um, I would not have seen maybe the rock star and that just grit and determination that, that she had. So, um, so, but on the cross training front, I mean, housekeepers can make a martini and uh, bartenders can make a bed and housekeepers I mean, can probably make the best martini if we're being honest. Well, and obviously we're all good at what we're good at, but in a pinch, I mean, we had a storm in Iowa that brought um, a huge amount of business very short term for 17 days. And all of us did laundry, all of us, yeah. you know, did everything. And, um, now I was joking with the two, not really joking, but I said, okay, now we're going to try and get in our lane a little bit more because it feels like each individual person in their job isn't growing as much even because we spent so much time making sure every person could do everything. Yeah. Now let's get back into some lanes here and, and really kind of, um, but you it's know, still really important that. that they are able to branch out because maybe they can see some, a different area or different department that they could actually do better in. And personally, if it wasn't for my housekeeping experience, I would never win the argument with my husband of the proper way to fold a towel. There yeah. is a proper way. Or a fitted sheet. And he is wrong. Mm -hmm. So I'm putting yes. that on the record right now. And a fitted sheet, yes. I find that the majority of people do not know how to fold a fitted sheet. And it I don't, I don't fold fitted sheets and the housekeepers, especially at the Highlander, I go like, just like, no. that, and, <laughs> and then I put it no. away. So yeah, it's, we, uh, there's constant. are going to fire you. is going to fire you at the Highlander from being in their department. They're going to be like, you got to go. I also find that it really gives people um, a sense of how the business works yeah. Um, to be in every single role. Um, it also, um, you know, in the restaurant business, there's this grand divide between the front and back of house um, yeah. about who's more important and who, you know, who, who really runs things. And, and I find that cross training kind of mitigates that um, because then everyone is very clear on how tough it is to be a housekeeper or a bartender or, you know, front desk, that kind of thing. Um, so yeah. And, um, 
so I was determined to do it well. Mm -hmm. um, even, you know, because service is typically the worst when it's slowest. Sure. Right. So I was determined to not have that happen. Um, especially the Highlander I bought um, in December of 2019. It's very new. It's very still, you know, very vulnerable um, as a business. But it it was dead last on yeah. TripAdvisor when I bought it. Okay. And then we relaunched six months later, having done the renovation. That was something else in the pandemic and how that all worked. But, um, but the... Uh, so we relaunched last July and okay. also still, obviously, I guess, at still dead last um, across all of the OTA platforms and all the reputation sites. And two weeks ago, we're number yeah. one. You're the number city. one? That's incredible. I was just going to say, so you have these two hotels. Obviously, they're doing well. You've invested well, in the right things, that you're doing the right things. I, <laughs> I heard a rumor that you may be looking into a third one. I am. Yep. I have in a, a pandemic. Like you're looking at your next venture in the middle of a, like, it's not. You, well, yeah, these projects amazing. take such a long time. Um, yeah, so but you're you not, know. you don't, you're not, you have not been defeated by the, by COVID is my well, point here. Um, you're looking you, at your next venture and that's very inspirational, honestly. Well, and you have to sort of tend those growth fires, even in the middle of, the building burning down and you said your hotels are doing very well. They're not doing very well because they are hotels in a pandemic <laughs> and it is, it has been catastrophic. So yes, yeah. we are crushing it on the guest engagement piece and the reputation piece. Um, but it has been cat catastrophic. And I, um, you know, I tell people frequently that, uh, three times since March of last year when the pandemic hit, um, I've been 45 days away from running out of cash. Three times wow. in a year. Um, it's it's just been horrific. I mean, even now, I mean, the, I have, you know, under five guests a night, typically. Okay. In Iowa City, I see, you know, maybe 20, 30 um, on the weekends, but that's in an 85-room hotel. So yeah. this this um, pandemic keeps on giving, and um, and you know the other thing is is everything you know about marketing um, is on its head. I mean, the more sure. that you tell people to come and that's going to be fabulous, the more they are fearful of it being unsafe. And so you were really into just managing, <clears throat> uh, you know, keeping top of mind, growing yeah. awareness, but not being engaged in promotion the promoting of anything of course really so of course i think that my, i think more so what i've meant is that you're not letting this keep you down i mean yes it's hard for all hotels but your stores are still open you are still looking towards that future and yes. you still think that it's worth investing in and that's amazing I do want to thank you so much for being on today. I think it's really important for uh, hoteliers out there to see um, that, again, it is possible and um, we are getting through this. It, we are getting through it. Um, I mentioned just recently that um, all of reports are indicating that, you know, hopefully starting Q2 or at least the second half of this year, we should see occupancy picking up. Not as mm -hmm. good as 2019, but there is a light at the end of this tunnel. So... Yeah. 
yeah, keep on fighting and keep on investing in your people and trying new things and learning how to fit fold a fitted sheet is going to be like, I think your new year's resolution, right? Absolutely. It should be. <laughs> and it's just, you know, it's a fantastic industry. And the things yeah. that were hit hard, hardest in the pandemic are all the fun businesses. I know. You know? And so I can't wait to be a part of bringing fun um, back. Um, in, I mean, travel and restaurants and venues. And, you know, yeah. it's, um, yeah, unfortunately, it's um, been hit hardest. But, you know, Manage quickly and decisively. Don't wait for somebody else to come and uh, and save the day. But you've just got to power through one day at a time, and look at that, you know, that future um, mitigation of the effects of the crisis. At the same time, keep the lights on today, and know that you're gonna you are gonna go look back on this, and you will have learned something just as you did in 2008. Um, hoteliers that are in this right now, put it on your resume. I survived 2020. Yes. How do that? And Absolutely. you're going to have so many amazing lessons from that. But I just want to thank everyone for joining today. Uh, you'll see us again in two weeks at noon on Thursday. Thanks, thank everyone. You. Bye.